We've got a lot to talk about today, guys, but I wanted to remind you that I welcome questions, comments, feedback at wendycunningham at protonmail.com. You can also find me over at gainingmyperspective.com, where you can find my blog, my book, and of course, more podcast episodes. Let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast, and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around, because we're going to laugh, and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. All right, guys, we have some stuff to talk about today. There's so much stuff. There's so much stuff. Do you ever feel like your brain might explode? I am telling you, I go and do my life for a little bit, a couple of hours, and then I come back and there's like so much stuff that has happened in the world. It's just, I mean, exciting, crazy, insane, unbelievable. I can use so many words. Um, I will say though, as much as most days are hard to wrap my head around in terms of, I actually can't believe we're living in the world that we're living in right now. And I know that you feel this. I know that you feel this. I just cannot believe that the daily things that I'm hearing or the conversations I'm having are real life. Like that's really hard. There's, there's that. But The last, I don't know, three or four days, I've actually felt really encouraged. I just feel like there's a little bit of some tide turning, some shifting, some momentum. Of course, if you didn't hear my last podcast, I had a great conversation with a friend, Logan Bambino, a young conservative in California working in the Republican Party, uh, worked in the White House under the Trump administration. We had a great conversation even after I finished recording the podcast that really did encourage me just that there are people awake and fighting and engaged. And that's exciting. And that's my hope with this podcast that you will feel excited, encouraged, and you will start to join in the momentum and help change the course of history, help shift the tide, help stand in the truth. I think that's the biggest thing. I was having a conversation last night with a group of people and, you know, there was a lot of just discouragement. And my thought was, it doesn't really matter how big the obstacles are, right? I serve a God who parts Red Seas and helps us to walk across on dry ground. Like the miracle will match the obstacle. But if you stand in truth, truth always is the light, right? We've talked about this before. Truth is always the light. And if I'm standing in the truth, I don't have to be panicked. I don't have to feel discouraged. And I don't have to know how the truth equals, you know, liberation or how the truth equals a change in the tide. Or I don't have to see far enough down the road to know that this truth is going to equate to a result that is favorable. I don't need to look that far down the line because I'm not sovereign over it. So it hardly matters how I think it's going to play out. What matters is I have a God who's good, who is sovereign. And if I stand in the truth, I know I can't go wrong, right? And if I'm 
truly seeking that and truly humbling myself, fighting against pride, then that's good stuff, right? And that's what I'm working on all the time. I hope you are also. But let's talk about some stuff that's encouraging this week, these last couple of days. And I want to just tie some pieces together here because, again, we have to talk a little bit about January 6th today. I do feel like because I have a unique perspective, I can bring some light to that that isn't being brought in. I I have a clarity that I'm grateful for that a lot of people I think don't have. But there's a connection here because over the last couple of days, there's been some pretty significant and provable voter fraud that has come out of an investigation in Georgia, in Fulton County, Georgia. It's a big deal. There's part of Atlanta in Fulton County. And there's some forged tally sheets, which is evidence of actual criminal fraud. And then, of course, some other issues uh, in terms of counts and whatnot. And then shortly after that, had the announcement that Pennsylvania is seeking a Maricopa County, Arizona style forensic audit. So that's going to happen in Pennsylvania. They're already getting kicked back, which of course you've heard the argument. It makes zero sense if you're so certain that there was no fraud in the election. Let the audits roll. It's only going to prove you right. It's only going to make your case stronger. It's only going to make the right Republicans, whoever, look silly if it is revealed that this was, you know, squeaky clean and all good to go. But the fact that the DOJ is even involved in these pushing against the audits, which are nothing is criminal here. This is all within the the rights of the states to audit their election. This is not radical behavior. And of course, let's let me just remind us all that we just had we went through two impeachments in our last four years of a presidency, a Russia hoax, collusion hoax, like the erosion that was done to our democracy over the last four years it's just, it's hilarious that we now have to talk about actual legitimate audits happening and how that is in in some crazy way a an attack on our democracy. It makes no sense. There's no logic. Logan pointed out in the last podcast, oftentimes these arguments are not logical, which is why they're so frustrating. But then just the other day, we also got news out of Maricopa County, really huge information about the status of that audit in Maricopa County, which I think is really dramatic. I wasn't sure what to expect out of that kind of preliminary hearing, but it was really, really dramatic. And there's not that much news coverage going on right now. Of course, Charlie Kirk's talking about it. Steve Bannon's talking about it. Rachel Maddow is talking about it, but like slandering it. But you guys, the facts are that This was a race, specifically in Arizona, decided by 10,457 votes between Trump and Biden. That is a very narrow margin. So to audit, to an an audit is different than a recount. If you're counting ballots that are false in some way, or, you know, if they're not real or if they're, they're not valid or if they shouldn't, if they're illegally cast or what have you, it doesn't matter that you continue to count the same ballots. The issue is we need to look at the ballots and are they legitimate or are they not? In a race this close, this is an important thing to do. So what we've discovered in this kind of preliminary findings, this is by no means the extent of the audit report. There is to be so much more information, I'm sure. They're requesting more information, 
more routers and passwords and such from Maricopa, which has been very hard to get. There's there's just been a lot of pushback on this audit, even from within the state. But um, 3,981 voted despite registering after the October 15th deadline. So almost 4,000 of the 10,000 votes were illegal just based on that. 11,326 voted who were not on the rolls as of November 7th, but were magically on the voter rolls on December 4th. Why is that? We need to look into that. 18,000 voted and then were removed from the rolls after the election. So why were they removed from the rolls? If they were removed from the rolls, it goes to show that they don't live there or there's some reason that they're no longer on the rolls in Arizona. But 18,000 voted on the rolls in this last election. That's really interesting given the fact we're at a 10,000 vote discrepancy. And then the most dramatic would be 74,243 mail-in ballots were counted with no clear evidence of having ever been sent out. Of course, this is all chain of custody documentation that is legally required. Oh, 74,000 and some odd ballots without that. That's pretty dramatic. And that also happened in, um, I believe, Georgia with the chain of custody issues. This is Kukachu you guys, and, and it's really validating. And I don't mean to say that in a way that that suggests I'm having a I told you so moment. Because again, I'm working on humility all the time, y'all. But it's validating because the things that I feared and the things that I thought I knew and the the hours and hours and hours and hours of my life I spent watching Senate hearings that are relatively boring. But I felt super were super important back after the election to have like some real actual tangible put your hand in the wound proof that it's real that it happened that what i feared it actually did go down is it's just it it's confirming it makes me go okay good so we are on the right track we do need to continue down this road this is important because what's the point of 2022. Why are we talking about 2022 yet when we haven't even fixed what went wrong in 2020? Why would we not think it would happen again and again and again and again? Voter integrity to me is just absolutely the most important issue. It's just so important. And this is where January 6th comes in because for no other reason did I and my husband find myself in Washington, D.C. on the 6th outside of voter integrity, because I felt that there was a massive fraud going down happening in our election in 2020. That is why I went on January 6th. That is the sole reason. Again, the hours I had spent scrutinizing the uh, affidavits and watching the Senate hearings and listening to the testimony and the witnesses and the reports and the data analysis and the irregularities. That's why I went January 6th also to pray, but to pray over the situation, to pray for light to shine in the darkness, to pray for accountability, to pray for conviction of the leaders within the Congress, to stand up and do the right thing. Absolutely, I was there to pray, but I was there because there was a fraudulent election. And every single human that I talked to on January 6th, and I talked to many from all over the country, all walks of life, veterans, China for Trump, blacks for Trump, Koreans for Trump, Latinas for Trump, all of us were there for election integrity, stop the steal, 
felt that it we had been just had absolutely garbage thrown at us, right? And of course, remember the Senate uh, election, the runoff in Georgia happened January 5th, which decided our Senate majority being split 50-50. And we had two senators go blue in that state just the day before. And of course, when, you, when you're already fearing that there was a fraudulent election that wound up with a president that shouldn't have been there, and then two more from his party wind up the day before you're in D.C., that was why people were there on January 6th. It was not actually white supremacy. It was not actually racism. And it was not actually a plot to overthrow anything. That's not why anybody was there. There was nobody there prepared to do anything. You'll notice that no one brought any weapons. So no, it was not for any of those reasons. And actually on that day, as I've said before, I did get a message specifically. I got a lot of messages, a lot of messages. Most, the great majority of the messages I received were in support of my having been there. Thank you for going. Thank you for standing for us. Thank you for standing in the truth. We're with you. We're with you. We're with you. Great majority of the messages I got that day. A small handful of messages were really hurtful. One specifically was from a friend I've known since I was 12 years old, and she told me I was a racist and that she could no longer support me and blah, blah, blah. So this racist narrative was immediately put on me that day. And although for in that moment, it was an anomaly for me. I, I No one else had called me a racist. I've never been called a racist a day in my life. It was, a, it was just a shocking thing to be called by someone who's known me for so long. But I was like, oh, that's an outlier. That's like even the other people that, that messaged me didn't have anything at all to say about racism or white supremacy or whatever. Of course, the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day and up until today, January 6th has been about racism and white supremacy and insurrection, which is, of course, like I said, not at all why anyone was there. But this shows me the power of indoctrination, the power of our media, that immediately before I even knew an insurrection had happened, I'm standing there. Apparently people are, and I don't even want to use that word because that's not even what happened. People were let in that building. Do your research, folks. Let in. There's thousands of hours of video footage. It was live on C-SPAN, people walking through red roped queues, going peacefully into our Capitol, let in the building, no insurrection, no violent, you know, breaking through windows to get in, nothing like that. Let in the building. While that's happening, there is a narrative being spewed out to everyone who's not there, not present. These are racists. These are white supremacists. These are Christian nationalists. These are domestic terrorists. These are insurrectionists. This is what's happening. And what I still find so remarkable is that of all the people who knew I was there and who had a different opinion or thought or school of thought or ideology than I did, only one reached out and asked me why I was there and what was going on. Why were people there? One person just the one engaged me and had a conversation. Now, I feel like if I knew someone was on the ground in, on September 11th, as an example, I knew one person who was in New York City that day. I wanted to get a hold of her so badly to know what was happening. How bad is it? How real is it? Are you hurt? What's going on? How are people feeling? What is the reaction? What is the response? Because I knew she knew. I was seeing on the news what was going on, but that is very, very different 
than a person who is ex- experiencing this thing on the ground, who knows and is seeing things that you're not be- that you're not seeing and that you don't know and that you will never know. And yet very few people, just the one, have asked me, why were you there? What was it like? How did it go down? I mean, of course, people have asked me who would have gone if they could have <laughs> or were are on my same train of thought, but no one on the other side. And I, I just, I find that so interesting because this narrative of racism and, you know, white supremacy and all of this garbage has just been absolutely accepted that that is what January 6th was about. And January 6th has been absolutely removed from connection to this election and integrity. And now that this voter fraud is coming out in Georgia and the Pennsylvania audit and the Maricopa County hearing the other day, now that we're seeing this, I want to reconnect for y'all. I want to reconnect. That's what January 6th was all about. That's why we were there. And The reason why January 6th is being held as such a vicious attack by the left that they just have to continue to slander anything around that and call people who were there just vicious names. These are not bad people. These are not people with evil spirits. These are not people who have any desire to overthrow our government. Goodness gracious. January 6th was absolutely connected to our election. And now that there's voter fraud, it should be even more like proven voter fraud in these two states. This is the beginning of a domino chain. This is why everybody's panicking because it's just going to continue to be revealed now. More and more states are going to go down this road. I love it. I think it's great. I think we need transparency so badly. But January 6th, the people who were there are held. The prisoners are kept. I'm sh- I don't know if you've heard this. I don't even know what is mainstream and what is not. But the people who were arrested, some almost 500 individuals, are being held with, without court dates set. They're being held in solitary confinement, 23 hours inside, one hour outside, solitary confinement, not allowed to have private conversations with their lawyer, being absolutely not allowed due process in our country on our soil right now, where's the outrage? Where are our political leaders? Everybody needs to start calling, emailing our lawmakers, our senators, our state reps. I don't care who. Call somebody, email somebody and say, can you please shed light on the fact that we have actual political prisoners right this minute in our country? This is so egregious to me. And almost every single person I know who was there on January 6th has had a visit from the FBI. I wonder if the people who were present peacefully protesting over the summer of 2020 during all of the Black Lives Matters nonsense, if they also have been investigated or questioned by the FBI. Because I'm going to say probably not. They're definitely not called insurrectionists. They don't even like the term. We can't even say that those were riots. That term was pushed back on. That term was justified up and down and backwards and forwards. I can't believe that certain people are are saying January 6th is one thing and not able to see the log in their own eye, right? Like you got to call, but you got to condemn the both. If you're going to condemn the one, you got to condemn the other. We had lawmakers, our own vice president, before she was our vice president, raising money to bail out the rioters who were arrested in the midst of crimes. I I, I just, I can't. 
I can't with that. Like, how how is that defendable? 25 to 34 people died. I couldn't find, I saw a discrepancy as I was researching this. Between 25 and 34 people died in 2020 over the course of those months from these riots, from the defund the police and the BLM movement. Between 25 and 34 people. One person died on January 6th. One person. Yes, there are five deaths linked to January 6th. Again, don't gobble up the narrative, y'all. Let's break this one down. There was two heart attacks that had nothing at all to do with the riot or uh, insurrection. Two heart attacks, natural causes, one potential overdose. It was unclear, unrelated, no interaction with police. There was the officer that was originally tied to January 6th, having been quote unquote hit over the head by a rioter with a fire extinguisher. He died two days later. Come to find out his autopsy reveals he had a stroke, which was unrelated to any injuries external or internal that he received that day. It was not even confirmed that he had any injuries that were sustained on January 6th. That is not a death connected to January 6th. Then we have Ashley Babbitt. The one unarmed Trump supporter who was shot by a police officer whose name has not been released. How ironic. How ironic that we have a summer of riots about police shootings and unfair police brutality. And then here we have an unarmed woman shot by police. And she was a Trump supporter. So I had my sister was here visiting She told me that a close friend of ours who's no longer speaking to me told her, I cannot, I will never speak to your sister again because people died on January 6th. People died. That's the reason. He will never speak to me again because people died on January 6th. People, multiple people died on January 6th. First of all, Ashley Babbitt is the person that died on on January 6th, okay? And she was a Trump supporter. So don't make it sound like people like me went and killed people on January 6th. Didn't go down like that. Not even kind of, sort of. Ashley was killed by a police officer, Capitol Police, and his name has not even been revealed. Can you imagine, can you even imagine for a hot minute if any of the police officers who have been subjected to all kinds of ridicule for their police brutality over last summer, if their names were protected, if the public was not, the family of the victim was not given the name of the police officer who took the life of their family member? Can you even imagine? Can you imagine? Because that's what's happening. That's what's happened here with Ashley Babbitt. There's been some reports. We suspect we know who it is. I'm not even going to say his name because I don't know. It hasn't been officially released, which is insanity. This is where we're at, where we can have such hypocrisy, where we can have such inconsistency, where we are so blinded by hate and rage and narratives and misinformation we are so close to such a terrifying time. There's so much parallel here to a terrifying time in our history, the Bolshevik Revolution, Nazi Germany. And actually, let's talk about that for a hot minute here, because I don't know if you've heard of the Reichstag fire. Let's talk about what the Reichstag fire was. I'm reading from Britannica. I read a couple of different things, but maybe this is neutral. Maybe it's not. I don't know who people, if an encyclopedia article is considered a neutral source anymore, but let's read about it. The Reichstag fire. 
The burning of the Reichstag fire, the I'm sorry, the burning of the Reichstag building, which was a parliament building in Berlin on the night of February 27th, 1933, was a key event in the establishment of the Nazi dictatorship and widely believed to have been contrived by the newly formed Nazi government itself to turn public opinion against its opponents and to assume emergency powers. So this fire on Parliament, this insurrection, as it was called in the time, was widely believed to have been actually contrived by the newly formed Nazi government that had just been installed. And the reason was to turn public opinion against the opponents, against the alternative political establishment, and to assume emergency powers. Let's read on from Britannica. Adolf Hitler had secured the chancellorship after the elections of November 1932, but his Nazi party had not won an overall majority. He therefore obtained cabinet consent to hold new elections on March 5th, 1933. Meanwhile, his propaganda minister, Joseph Goebbels, I think is how you say it, was supposed to have devised as the scheme whereby 10 agents led by Karl Ernst were to gain access to the Reichstag through a tunnel leading from the official residence of Hermann Göring, Reichstag president and Hitler's chief minister, who was then to conduct an official investigation which would fix responsibility for the fire on the communists. So let me draw a parallel here for y'all. Adolf Hitler had just been elected but without a majority into the chancellorship. And it sounds like maybe that was mm, contested a bit. They had agents. Now there's all this connection to FBI informants were very present and very much involved in this insurrection on January 6th. That's so interesting because it seems that Hitler did the same thing. The supposed arsonist was a Dutchman, and they give his name here, whom some have claimed was brought to the scene of the crime by Nazi agents. Again, this parallel from the, the FBI informants being linked to January 6th. This is totally relevant. This is a playbook. It's been used. Others, back to Britannica, others have contended that there was no proof of Nazi complicity in the crime, but that Hitler merely capitalized on this independent act. But the fire is subject of continued debate and research even to this day. But it says at the beginning, it is widely believed that this was a false flag. And the reason there was a false flag needed was so that this cover-up could be done of this election that maybe wasn't favorable entirely for Hitler. But it redirected the attention to how terrible these political opponents were. It's not about the election anymore. January 6th is no longer about the election. January 6th is about how terrible the extremist right wing, the Trumpers, the MAGA movement, these domestic terrorists, right? Do you see how this works? There is nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. This history repeats itself. I remember learning that at the beginning of my education, you guys. It's been done. What is a false flag? Just let's get that narrative here. It's an attack or other hostile action that obscures the identity of the participants carrying out the action while implicating another group or nation as the perpetrator. Here's another definition if you'd rather this one a misrepresentation of affiliation or motivation or a false equivalence deliberately put forth to manipulate the context, perception, 
or frame of an action, object, or argument. January 6th was a false flag event. The Reichstag fire was a false flag event. These are both used in the exact same way for the exact same reason. It's time we wake up, guys. I hope this was useful. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Dear Lord, we are resting in your truth. We are praying for your light to shine in all of this darkness, Lord. We're grateful for these glimpses. We're grateful for these moments of revelation. We're grateful to feel that there is progress and there is momentum and there is reason to hope, Lord. We just know that our hope is in you It is not in any of this revelation. It is in you and in your goodness, Lord. We continue to trust in that, in you, and turn our eyes on you, Lord, and just pray that it is you who moves and that your hand is on it and that your revelations are the ones that come. In your son's name we pray, amen.